Mark Leslie is the author of more than 30 books and numerous anthologies. He has about three decades worth of experience in bookselling and publishing, so he is truly a seasoned industry professional. Don't go away, we'll be right back with Mark Leslie's book, Lover's Moon. If you've just joined us, welcome. You're watching the Writer's Corner live show. If you follow us, you'll get notified when we go live, so don't overlook doing that. I'm your host, Bridgette Lambanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and in today's show, we're going to be talking to the amazing professional Mark Leslie. He's got a wealth of information to share with us if you are looking to become an author. He's got three decades of experience um, behind him. Now, our show today is brought to you by StreamYard, Creative Edge, and BeLive Media. So warm welcome. Whether you're watching us over on Amazon Live, on YouTube, um, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Amazon Live, a warm welcome regardless of where you are watching. Feel free to comment. We are watching the comments, so please feel free to say hello. If you'd like us to give you a shout out on the show, we'd be happy to do that as well. Now, just before we bring, uh, invite our amazing guest for today, Mark Leslie, and also my amazing friend and co-host, uh, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Before we do that, as always, we've always got some tips and tricks for you, um, because since the pandemic, our one way in which we connect worldwide and globally when we're talking about our books or our brand is to do so online. And one of the things or a few things you can do to, to level up, because this is a method that's going to be used, I think, moving forward. And um, so what you want to do when you go live and you talk about your book, and I know if you're going live on Instagram or uh, TikTok, for example, what you would normally do is hold your phone in, um, in portrait mode like that which is 100% correct because you'll be using the, the 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 entire screen real estate if you hold your phone in portrait mode on TikTok or on Instagram but here's a quick tip for you if you're going live on Facebook um, or on YouTube or any of the other social media platforms, go into your settings regardless of whether it is um, an Android or an, an an Apple phone. Go into your settings, turn off the screen, the, the screen rotation lock, and turn your phone into landscape mode. That'll get rid of those black lines. If you ever wondered what those black lines are on the sides, that'll get rid of the black lines. And now you can talk very comfortably, show your book, show your face, use your hands, be a little bit more animated. And if you're on the run, if you're in a hotel room or wherever you are and you forgot your tripod, <laughs> and you can use any tripod because you do want to stabilize your phone. You don't want to make your audience seasick by having a phone that's not 100% stable. And you can take your pick. I mean, oh, my goodness, there are tripods 
galore on the market. So really, you can take your pick when it comes to tripods. If you've forgotten your tripod, here's a quick hack. Take your phone, tape it to the window. Use some sticky tape or cello tape or anything. And you know what the best thing about that is? You're going to have your phone 100% at the 90 degree angle, which is the correct angle. And you'll have front facing light, which means that you won't disappear because you've got back facing light. Front facing light is your friend. Um, if, however, you are going live on a laptop, for example, and you want to level up on that, get something like a lavalier microphone. There are tons of them. Take your pick. But that'll level up on your sound. And of course, if you've got background noise, you want to avoid background noise, take your pick. Again, these. this is my personal favorite just for fit, which is the Apple, Apple um, um, earbuds. The sure ones are great. There's, again, tons of them. But that'll avoid background noise. So there's some quick tips for you. Now, let me introduce my amazing friend and co-host to you, um, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She is an award-winning author um, herself. She's written numerous children's books. She's a ghostwriter. She's a disability advocate. Go and check out her latest release uh, with uh, Thornton Klein, Cheers from Heaven. Um, she is an amazing author. So, Mary, welcome to the show. How are you today? <laughs> I am well. <laughs> it's so good to be here. And um, such great information for anybody who's wanting to look fantastic on camera, no matter where they are in the world. Because sometimes when we're traveling and we have an interview or a book thing or who knows what we have going on, we want to look our best. So it's such great information. And we're I'm super excited to be here today. And I'm so excited about our guest and getting to hear all the good tidbits he's going to share with us today. Absolutely. You know, uh, in the over four years that we've been going, we've uh, we've really, really sort of almost gone to the full gamut of kinds of authors that you can get. But it's very seldom that we get an author like Mark who's been who's written over, you know, he's got over three decades of experience. He's got a ton of, of books behind him. He's got a wealth of energy um, and information to to share. He's a he's a writer, an editor, a professional speaker, and he calls himself a book nerd. <laughs> he says like his first choice. I know, right? For for an author. That's that's uh, that's great. He uh, he says his first story appeared in print in 1992, and he's uh, as we said, he has got about 30 books to his name, 30 plus books to his names. He's written thrillers, fiction, paranormal nonfiction, and he's done a couple of anthologies. And then he also writes about how people can become better authors. So um, I think let's give him a warm welcome to the show, shall we? Yes. Mark, it's right. fantastic having you on the show. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thank Hi, you so much. I was yeah, in the green room scribbling down all that amazing advice you just offered for doing a lot of videos. <laughs> so thank you. I've got I've already got a page of notes. 
<laughs> I know it's really good. We we love some of the stuff that we use, and it's so important because you just never know where you're going to be. And so much has moved online. So, yeah. all right, Virginia, let's dive right in because we have more questions that we want to answers to than time, right? I know, absolutely, Mark. You know, with over thirty books to your name, and being the seasoned uh, writer that you are. What is it that you enjoy? You obviously enjoy writing. I think that goes without saying. So what what is it about writing that thrills you, that you that you love it so much? What started your love affair with words and books? Uh, I blame my mom, my mom who read to me and I and I discovered that magic of, of, of story and storytelling. And again, it started with oral storytelling, which is probably why I love speaking, because in the same way that when you're in front of an audience and, and, you, and you're talking to them and, and you can see their reactions, you get that uh, when you do stories. I love doing campfire ghost stories. That's the best. But I think that's the thing I love about the writing life and the things I get to do as a writer are the storytelling, the imagination. Just this morning, I, I, got, I received a note from Facebook from uh, somebody whose uh, daughter had read one of my stories that had been published in a magazine years ago and was still talking about it, you know, years later and was asking, oh, is it available in a book format can, so I can buy it for her birthday? And that's the kind of reaction that really makes a writer's day when you actually hear that a story you wrote resonated with a reader. And that's one of the things I love about it. It's that you put a story out, you put out some characters, you share something and it, in it, in, 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 inspires a, an emotional reaction in the the listener, the reader, the watcher, the viewer, whatever it is. And, and that's what drives me every single day. And you're part of promoting that love for literacy, which is such a passion. I know it's a passion of mine. I think it is for most, most authors. Um, and yeah, what an honor that somebody loved your work so much that it made that difference. And it, it gives you that validation, you know. So you have a small library. We'll just call it a small library because of all the, the books that you have. Do you have a favorite anthology or book? Uh, out of your, we'll call it your repertoire. Oh, my repertoire, not books that I love, like, you know, my favorite books. Yeah, um, no, yeah, um, you know, what is your favorite? Well, I think, I think you know what, uh, oftentimes you have to love your most recent work because you're always really excited about that thing you put out. So I'm obviously, I'm, I'm Lover's Moon is one I'm excited about, but I'm excited about it not just because it was a novel I wrote and I'm proud of it. It was a novel I wrote with a dear friend of mine and 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 I could never have written it without Julie's guidance, help, support, and, and just partnership in terms of bringing this together. It never would have happened. So it not only represents a work I'm proud of, but it re represents a collaboration that was so unique and so fascinating. So yeah, I have to usually always go with the most recent release. Very good. Mark, I'm going to I'm going to pick your brain a little bit, you know, because why not? Okay. <laughs> He's being, 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 being such an experienced author um, as you are, you know, looking back on more than three decades of writing, what is the one piece of advice that you would want to give to your younger self as a as a new author? Um and to the uh, to the viewers out there who are thinking about becoming an author, if you could go back, what would yeah. you want to tell yourself? 
I think I think one of the things, uh, especially because I'm I'm quite a bit older now, and started off. I think I got my first rejection at the age of 15. I am significantly older than that now. I'm 53. So um, I think one of the things I would tell myself or tell beginning writers is, don't give up. There's there's a lot of adversity in writing. There's a lot of adversity in just getting the story written or the book written. So if you haven't yet finished a work, do everything you can in your power. NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing is coming up, which is basically the whole idea is to try to spend at least a little bit of time every day in November writing so you can get 50,000 words by the end of the month. But if you can do 10,000 words or whatever, that's fine. Get that first thing written um, because that experience, it just gets easier every time you do it. The other thing is you're going to face adversity once you finish the story or, or book. What do I do with it? What publisher do I send it to? Should I self-publish it? All the work that's involved and entailed, regardless of which publishing path you choose. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. There's going to be a lot of uh, naysayers. There's going to be a lot of naysaying that you do to yourself. Imposter syndrome never goes away. Um, am I good enough to share this? Uh, do not give up on yourself. If your dream and your passion is writing and you have a story that you want to share or stories that you want to share or experience you want to write down or a memoir, do not give up on yourself. You need to continually be your biggest fan and you need to push yourself forward even when things get hard. Because having been in the industry for so long, I've seen the ups and downs and the highs and lows and the rejections after rejection after rejection after one-star reviews after all of the things where somebody reads something and does nothing but criticize it. Um, don't give up on yourself because it's a long road and it's a long, high climb that may take a while, but oh my God, the view is absolutely spectacular, particularly when you wake up one day and you can actually hear from somebody who you, know, you connected with. If your story can change one person's life, inspire them, make their day a little bit better, make them smile, make them feel a little bit scared, whatever it is, emotion you want to invoke in them. That's magic. Oh, yes. Oh, I we love that. Gosh, we, I know we energy, Mark, and your enthusiasm and passion. And absolutely, we have to be our biggest cheerleaders always, no matter what the world says. We have to still believe in ourselves. Um, and, and you have to go in for the long haul, for sure. So now I'm going to ask you the my favorite author is and you know did they inspire you to be you know with your writing compel you to be the best writer you could be or you know did you kind of come up with your own style on your own because I know some people you know that's advice that's out there go read your favorite author and you know kind of mimic what they're doing you know you want to hang out with the people who you want to be like so Wow, a great question. Um, I, I think I have to list a number of writers who have positively influenced me in so many different ways. So uh, Stephen King, for one, and it was not his horror. It was the short story, The Body, which Stand By Me was based on. That was the first thing that really captured my imagination, that coming of age tale. It's authors like John Irving. It's authors like Canadian horror author Sean Costello. It's authors like Canadian science fiction writer Robert J. Sawyer. It's mystery thriller writers like Michael Connelly. Uh, when, I, when I think about those tend to be the, the authors that uh, I think of all of the ways that their writing has influenced me and shaped me in so many different ways and inspired me. So, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of the dozens of other writers who have positively influenced me. Almost every single book I pick up, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to learn um, either either a nuance of how to how to set up a scene, character development, 
uh, you know, just just diff different aspects. So it's really difficult for this book nerd who just and I read voraciously and I read across different genres, but it's really really difficult for me to to pinpoint only one author who influences me because I honestly think that every single book that I pick up, every single word that I read from other authors is going to inform, entertain, and inspire me uh, and teach me something uh, about writing and about storytelling that um, that's going to just make me a little bit of a better writer every single time I sit down and put pen to paper. Wow, that is just amazing. You know, I'm totally, I'm, it's, it's great that you've had such amazing um, role models. Now, tell us a bit more about Lover's Moon. What inspired the story and do you have a copy of the book with you because if you could hold it up I'm, I'm always curious to know what how people came you know how that cover came about so tell yeah, us a little bit about the book lover's moon yeah so lover's moon is the fifth book in my canadian werewolf series now the books are meant to be uh read as standalone although there is a sequential timeline so you know people who want to read them in order but what's unique about lover's moon is that so the, the universe uh, follows the main character of Michael Andrews, uh, like Canadian werewolf. Michael Andrews is an author who lives in Manhattan, and he happens to be cursed with lycanthropy. So once a month, for about 10 days every month, he turns into a wolf. Not a, not a werewolf, not a half man, half wolf. He actually turns into a six foot long gray wolf. And uh, he wakes up the next morning with no memory of what he was doing when he was running around on all fours and howling at the moon. And so the whole series came about because I tried to imagine what would it be like having to live with that side effect, waking up with no knowledge of what you did the night before, completely naked, how do you get home? And so the, the whole series that started off with a Canadian werewolf in New York is um, a, a little humorous uh, in terms of following the misadventures of how Michael tries to get home after waking up naked in Battery Park with a bullet hole in his leg and the taste of blood in his mouth going, what the heck did I do last night? So this follows, uh, the, the series follows Michael. It's got some humor in it. It's paranormal urban fantasy adventure. He's a bit of a superhero because as a human, he has side effects. Uh, uh, he has enhanced senses, uh, you know, the smell, taste, sound. And, and he also has a little bit of superhuman strength. And so he uses his powers. Uh, like, like myself, Michael grew up a huge fan of the Spider-Man comics. And so with great power, comes great responsibility, he uses his powers to help other people. And that often gets him into some trouble. And so Gail is his best friend. And in the first book, she comes back into his life after about five or six years. Um, and he identifies her as like this ex-girlfriend who broke up with him and dumped him because he kept having to lie to her. Uh, he never told her about the werewolf thing and he was disappearing for 10 days every month. And she thought he was cheating on her. So uh, they, they broke off, but she comes back into his life six years later and says, Andrews, I know you're a wolf. I need your help. My fiance's missing and I know you can track him because you, I, she, she figured out uh, what, was, what his deal was. Um, and so they're friends in the series. Michael's still madly in love with her but um, they don't have a relationship. So there's this tension throughout the series. But what happened was my readers really wanted to know, well, Michael and Gail were both in love. They were a couple for a while. I want to hear that story. I want to read that story. And so I made a note that I would uh, one day write the story. And I couldn't. I was having so much trouble because like Michael, 
I put Gail up on a pedestal. I worship the ground that she she walked on. And so I couldn't properly write Gail's perspective. I, I, I went and picked up books. Uh, Gwen Hades has a great book called Romancing the Beat. And I read that and I went through the charts and the graphs and I tried to, you know, beat out the story and I normally don't outline. And, and I was having trouble. I even, you know, started Gail's chapter, but it was just not right. So my dear friend, uh, Julie Strauss, who was familiar with the series, and I've worked with um, as, as an editor too, she is a phenomenal a humorous romance writer. I just love her her novels. They're absolutely fantastic. And so I pleaded and begged with Julie, do you think you could write Gail's point of view? <laughs> could you think we because I needed it to be an actual romance story, unlike the rest of the novels, which may have love as a subplot. And and Julie and I had several meetings. We we mapped it all out. And over the it was actually March of 2022 that she sent this beautiful diagram of, of the month of March. And uh, I was going to write the uh, epilogue, um, or the prologue, I should say. And then she wrote chapter one, then I wrote chapter two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how that's how the the, the writing came together. And and oh my God, what a one, what a wild ride that was for both of us. That's so cool. I love it. Um, and, and it's so, I love your passion about it. And we would love for you to read, um, if you would uh, be, do us the honor reading from this sure. book so we can yeah. hear more about it. So, uh, so a bit of the backstory. So Michael is, is a writer. He's a, a successful mystery writer and he's, uh, in the process of wanting to write uh, a mystery about, uh, the Necronomicon, an occult book that involves a murder related to a, you know, a, a sort of really expensive copy of it. And he needs to know more about this world. So his agent has hired Gail, who is an occult shop owner. And this is based on an actual occult shop. I actually set it at the uh, Enchantments, which is in uh, New York, a, a classic, a wonderful occult shop. But uh, we call it Enchanting Magic because we fictionalized it. And Gail's the owner of the shop. And so the two of them are, are, are together, but they kind of are attracted uh, to one another. So this is a little bit later. It's about uh, halfway through the book where they're at the Algonquin Hotel in Manhattan, a phenomenal place where you can go and have cocktails, martinis before you go to the theater. Um, and, and the Algonquin Hotel is where Michael lives. Uh, it, it's got a literary history. This is Dorothy Parker and 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 the, the round table there and the, and the humorists that used to hang out there. So Michael just loves hanging out in the ambiance. So this is the two of them. And they're having a discussion about the Necronomicon. Um, and it's disturbing some of the, the higher end clientele that are there. So the two of them are there on, on sort of a, and again, they're, they're not wanting to call it a date because it's a business relationship. So there's this tension between the two of them. So this is just that scene. So, uh, the, oh, this grumpy couple at the next table, uh, turns and, 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 and just kind of is upset with them and is grumpy. So, uh, they're laughing together and Gail says, they look like they were born to be offended. Should I go to apologize to them? I asked. You can take the boy out of Canada, but you can't take the Canada out of the boy, she laughed. Now, leave Statler and Waldorf to stew in their misery. I'm glad they buzzed off. Oh, also, there's uh, Gail's shop had had a bee infestation, so they had been talking about bees as well, and that's where these puns come into play. I let out another burst of laughter when she used the names of the two cantankerous old men who consistently jeered at and heckled the performances of the Muppet Show from their balcony seats. You really need to beehive yourself, I said. Wasp on earth are you talking about? I'm sitting here minding my own beeswax. We were laughing uncontrollably at the stupidest of jokes and a string of puns that had gone on 
uh, far too long, a long time ago. But the release of the tension felt incredible. If we hadn't been laughing, I think my head might have exploded. Okay, I finally said out of breath. Enough with the B talk. I think we've combed through all of the sweetest puns by this point. She didn't laugh at that. I didn't even get an eye roll. No more B talk, she agreed. Then a mischievous grin came over her face. Why don't we talk about the birds and the bees? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? Gail grinned at that reference to the Dustin Hoffman movie. Cuckoo cachoo, she said. I may have been trying to do just that exactly. Her phone, her phone vibrated on the table beside her martini. She looked at it, then looked at me. That's Isabeau, isn't it? I asked. Yeah, she's checking in to make sure I sleep alone tonight. She's a good friend. She's looking out for you. Yes, she is. She picked up her phone without looking at it and stood up, slipping it into the back pocket of her jeans. That text was perfect timing. We should call it a night, because if I don't leave now, I swear I'll break my vow of chastity all over you like an egg on its way to an omelet. And then I'd have to answer to Isabeau. And I'd have to worry of her coming after my private parts with a rusty spoon, I joked, mimicking the defensive gesture of covering my crotch with my hands. I stood up. We faced one another. I was reminded of standing so close to her earlier this afternoon and how intense it had felt, not to mention how hard it had been to pull myself away. I really enjoy our time together, Gail. Me too, she said. Have a good night, I said, leaning in to give her a hug. She moved into my arms for a warm embrace. I swear I felt intense tingling at every point of contact between us. There were hundreds of nerve endings across my body, tearing around and screaming good vibrations. The hug lasted a full beat, then another. I wasn't willing to let her go just yet, and I squeezed a little harder. Breathing in the combination of the sandalwood and vanilla scent of her hair this close hypnotized me. Feeling her against me was even better than I had imagined, and I had imagined it a hell of a lot in the past several days. She didn't let go either. Her own arms tightened a bit more. Another beat passed. This is nice, I said. It is. See? A nice hug. Chastity intact. It's all good. I could stay like this all night. Me too. It's perfect. Yeah, she breathed, except there's this one problem. What's that? Are you sure you're Canadian? Why? Because I didn't think Canadians carried guns. What? I started to pull back from her, confused. She let out a giggle and reached down with one hand on the back of my butt and pulled me back in tight against her so my hardness pressed against her thigh. Oh, I said, yeah, uh, that. Uh, I'm always happy to see you. Ecstatic, even. Oh, don't worry, I can tell. But you know what would make me happy? Perhaps even more ecstatic? Tell me, I whispered into her ear a little more forcefully than I had intended. She pulled her head back and looked up in my eyes, her breath hot on the top of my throat. If I could stop wondering what it would feel like to kiss you. Oh, uh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you do, you do audiobooks? <laughs> <laughs> well, Julie and I read the audiobook, and, and in the uh, in the audiobook version of this, it she does Gail's voice, and she does it way better, obviously, than, than I do. <laughs> wow. That was great. Wow. I, that, I, that really pulled us in. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> pun no intended. Idea. 
Will he kiss her? Will he kiss her? I know, right? <laughs> she grabbed his butt and pulled him in. Yeah, uh, it's great. I it up and for you your know, audience, by the way. I, oh, I, I, okay. <laughs> well, and you know what I love? I love the the um, the back and forth banter that is something that would actually happen between two people. So it's so realistic. That's what I love about it too. Thank you. Yeah, the whole yeah, it was bee a lot thing. Of fun to write. Uh, yeah, that was so cute. So, it, well, we just, oh my gosh, time is almost I know, out. time goes by so quickly. We're going to take a real quick break. And then when we come back, Mark, if you can just quickly tell us what's next for you. What can all, what can your readers look out for next? So what's next for you, Mark? Oh, uh, <laughs> actually, for anyone who's familiar with the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, yes. this is the book John Candy was holding uh, in the uh, New York airport when uh, Steve Martin's character first met him. Now, John, John Candy is a Canadian actor. This was uh, described in the script as a, a pornographic novel called The Canadian Mounted. It's obviously a cheeky reference to Candy being Canadian. And uh, coming uh, for... The 35th anniversary of the movie, which is a Thanksgiving in, in, in America, um, is uh, that that book, but it's a trivia book. It's called The Canadian Mounted, and it's trivia all about, uh, I think, one of my favorite movies, uh, favoritest movies ever. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to go watch it now. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It's, it's, a, it's a Thanksgiving tradition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, it was so amazing to have you on today. Whole, Thank so you. Amazing. It absolutely was. Mark, thank you so much and a huge big shout out um, and thank you to our live audience who've joined us today and also a shout out to anyone who's watching the show on the rerun. So thank you so much and we look forward to having you back again soon because we'd love to have you back for your, uh, for your next book. Thanks everyone, stay well and we'll see you back on the next episode of the Writer's Corner live show. Mm -hmm.